Good morning and welcome to Alamo Heights United Methodist Church. Will you all please pray with me as we gather together for worship this morning. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, creator of this universe, who gives us life and who sustains our lives and who brings us together in this community this very morning. We bless you, God, for the roads that we've all walked for you to gather us here this morning together. And as we come this morning, and as we sing, and as we listen, and as we act, and as we take in this communion, I ask that you would continue to form us in your likeness, in your image. That as we're here, we're transformed more into the love that you call us to, the love that you offer us, that that love would be poured out through us to each other and out into the world. We bless you, God, for all that you are and all that you have created this community to be. It's in your name, in the name of your Son, and through your Spirit that we pray together. Amen. For the last several weeks, we've been going through a sermon series on the first epistle of John. And as we've been doing that, we've read each week some passages from the Gospel of John as well. Uh, Pastor Dinah has pointed out that there's some remarkable similarities to the language and to the structure of these two writings, and it's it's understandable that they would echo one another. Today you're going to hear four different texts from the Gospel of John, and then Dinah will read to you from the fourth chapter of that first epistle of John. And what I want you to listen for today as you're hearing all of these different words from John is the word love. Not just the word love, but the meaning behind this word. I would like that word to really focus your attention through everything that you hear and see and do this morning. And so first, I'll read to you from uh, the first chapter of John. This is your verses 14 and 16 through 18. And the word became flesh and lived among us. We have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. Amen. Let's worship together. God was never angry, God was not against me, God was never far away. God's not disappointed, God's not keeping score, and God's not judging my mistakes. God is love. 
from the 13th chapter of John. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Amen. 
One of the ways that we express our love for one another here is through the passing of the peace and name of Christ, as you can do so safely here in this room and for all of you at home online joining us as well. Please pass the name and the peace of Christ to one another. The peace of Christ be with you all. As we're coming back together, another reading from the Gospel of John, this time from chapter 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. Amen. to shatter and you feel like your soul is at sea your dreams don't seem to matter your heart is bruised and battered you can't feel anything
story left to tell Love anyway And this from John 17 Righteous Father, the world does not know you But I know you And these know that you have sent me I made your name known to them And I will make it known So that the love with which you have loved me May be in them And I in them These are all portions of the story of God told for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So if you've heard of Jesus, you probably know about one of his famous teachings called the Golden Rule. Do to others what you would want them to do to you. And this, actually, is a restatement of something else that Jesus said, that the meaning of life is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's really beautiful, but what does he mean exactly by the word love? It's an unclear word in English, because you can love your mom and you can love pizza. And if the word love means the same thing in both of those cases, your mom's going to feel real bad. So what did Jesus mean in his language? Well, first of all, this love your neighbor phrase is a quotation from the Hebrew scriptures, where the word for love is ahava. However, the language Jesus spoke and taught in from day to day was a cousin language of Hebrew, that is Aramaic, in which the word for love is rachmah. But then, as Jesus' followers spread his teachings around the world, they translated them into Greek using the word agape. But here's what's fascinating. The earliest followers of Jesus who wrote the books of the New Testament in Greek, they didn't learn the meaning of agape by looking it up in ancient dictionaries. Rather, they looked to the teachings of Jesus and the story of his life to redefine their very concept of love. So one time, Jesus was asked about the most important command in the Jewish scriptures. And he first quoted from the ancient prayer in the Torah called the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. So love for God is the most important thing. But then Jesus quickly followed up by saying another command from the Torah was also the most important, to love your neighbor as yourself. So which is the most important, loving God or loving your neighbor? Jesus' answer is yes. To ask the question means you don't get his point. For Jesus, they are two sides of the same coin. Your love for God will be expressed by your love for people and vice versa, they're inseparable. And so this makes it clear that for Jesus, agape love is not primarily a feeling for someone else that happens to you, like our phrase, I fell in love. For Jesus, love is action. It's a choice that you make to seek the well-being of people other than yourself. Jesus also went on to teach that genuine love for God and others means seeking people's well-being without expecting anything in return, especially from people who are in difficult situations who can't repay you even if they wanted to. According to Jesus, this kind of generous love reflects the very heartbeat of God. And he took this even further. Jesus said that the ultimate standard of authentic love is how well you treat the person that you can't stand. Or in his words, you shall love your enemy and do good to them, expecting nothing in return. For Jesus, this kind of enemy-embracing love imitates the very character of God himself. Now, we wouldn't be talking about Jesus still today if he had only said things like love your enemy. This is how he actually lived. Jesus was constantly helping and serving the people around him in very practical and tangible ways. And he consistently moved towards poor and hurting people who couldn't benefit him in return. He showed love for the forgotten ones, the people who usually fall through the cracks. And when Jesus eventually marched into Jerusalem, he made himself an enemy of the leaders of his people by accusing them of hypocrisy and corruption. But then instead of attacking his enemies to overthrow them, he allowed them to kill him. 
Jesus died for the selfishness and corruption of his enemies because he loved them. After Easter morning, Jesus and then his followers claimed that it was the power of God's love for the world that was revealed in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. As the Apostle Paul put it, God demonstrated his own agape for us in this, while we were still sinners, the Messiah died for us. Or in the words of the Apostle John, God's own agape was revealed when he sent his one and only son into the world so that through him we could have life. And for John, then, this leads naturally to the conclusion, beloved ones, if that's how God has loved us, then we ought to show love for one another. So Christian faith involves trusting that at the center of the universe is a being overflowing with love for his world, which means that the purpose of human existence is to receive this love that has come to us in Jesus and then to give it back out to others, creating an ecosystem of others-focused, self-giving love. And that's the New Testament meaning of agape love. Before I read from 1 John 4, I want to invite you to pray to recite the Shema with me. Uh, you can stand in spirit or physically if you want to, but let's pray the Shema together. You'll see the words on the screen. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. You can have a seat. So our sermon series is called Spiritual Gardening. And today we're going to talk about the crop, the exact thing that we are growing, what we are to be all about. This is a long passage from 1 John chapter 4, but New Testament scholar N.T. Wright says this is what the letter most wants to say. Everything leads up to this point and everything that follows this point solidifies it. I think you're going to recognize the subject matter if you don't already know it from uh, the worship service. In 15 verses, it will be mentioned 27 times. This is the first letter of John, chapter 4. I'm going to begin with verse 7. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not, not that you once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has seen God ever but if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us, and his love becomes complete in us. That's perfect love. This is how we know we are living steadily and deeply in him and he in us. He's given us life from his life, from his very own spirit. Also, we've seen for ourselves and continue to state openly that the Father sent his Son as Savior of the world. Everyone who confesses that Jesus is God's son participates continuously in an intimate relationship with God. We know it so well. We've embraced it heart and soul, this love that comes from God. 
God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us, so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ's. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed, fear ban- well-formed love banishes fear, since fear is crippling. A fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is one not yet fully formed in love. We, though, are going to love, love and be loved. First we were loved, now we love. He loved us first. If anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. But if he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. Amen. When my children were little and they wanted my undivided attention immediately, but for whatever reason, I couldn't give it. Either I was talking on the phone, or I was busy cooking dinner, or I might have been focused on another person who was right in front of me. My children had one strategy, and although it was really irritating, it usually worked. I would call it the repetitive mom strategy. Mom, mom, mom. Mom, 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 mom. I sense a similar dynamic in this passage. (laughs) Love, 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 love. No matter what the distraction, first John says, let me draw your attention back to love. Love one another. Love is from God. God is love. There's no fear in love. Father Richard Rohr says that a common criticism he receives is, all you do is talk about love. Love, love, love. You water down the gospel. And he says, now that certainly is true that I water down the gospel if you think love means Valentine's Day love. That's not what we're talking about. There's not much good news in romantic infatuation. But in limitless self-giving and the receptivity to infilling, the flow of agape, that's what Jesus was talking about. And that's how Jesus lived. That's not watered down. And it's certainly not easy. The 5th century bishop and saint Augustine of Hippo once asked the question, What sort of face hath love? And then he answered his own question with, Well, love looks like Jesus. Love looks like Jesus. Did you catch the very end of the video? There was a circle, and the circle was turning, almost like a water wheel, and the words, Christians trust that at the center of the universe, there is a being who is overflowing with love. We trust that at the center of the universe, there is a being who is overflowing with love. And so our purpose is to receive that love and then to give it out to others. The whole passage, I think, rests on three words. The whole letter rests on these three words. 
God is love. It's at the end of verse 8. But the phrase is also again in verse 16. God is love. F.F. F. Bruce was a British evangelical scholar in the 20th century, and he wrote about this passage. He said, God is love is as compressed a statement of the gospel as one could imagine. You can't sum up the good news in any better way, right? God is love. And William Barclay wrote that this is the greatest single statement about God in the whole Bible. The greatest single statement about God in the whole Bible. God is love. It's simple. It's easy to remember. And yet there is something that is so significant and difficult about it. That it gets this priority place in this packet of letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And then it continues to challenge us today as we seek to live as Jesus lived. God is love. I have a little dog at my house. We say she's a Chawini because she's probably part Chihuahua and probably part Dachshund. We're not sure. But she does this thing, this routine, this ritual. It's almost like a dance several times a day before she plops down to rest. She walks around and around and around and around in a circle before lying down. Often she goes overboard, scratching up rugs like she's digging treasure. Around and around in a circle, nuzzling and scraping the ground, and then she sleeps. I think many dogs do this. Maybe your dog does this too. I read this week that the reason that dogs do this is because it's a trait they inherited from their canine ancestors. It's about self-preservation, taking one last look for predators before bedtime and checking the space for rocks or sticks or critters that might bite or sting. So basically what my Chowini is trying to do is uncover hidden threats. And I get it. I don't like bad surprises either. And neither did the early Christians. You know what would be the worst bad surprise of all? An angry God. An angry, wrathful God waiting on the judgment seat to attack me, to punish me. And that is exactly the hidden rattlesnake that First John is writing about. And he says, there is no worst bad surprise. You're safe. Here's how the NRSV puts it. That we may have boldness on the day of judgment... Because as he is, as Christ is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. You know, there's another scripture nugget in those two verses. I know you've heard it before. It's a platitude of the Christian faith. Perfect love casts out fear. Here's what I think is missing from that cliche, perfect love casts out fear of judgment. Perfect love casts out fear of judgment. 
Perfect love casts out fear is so familiar and overused. It gets used in places it doesn't belong. Like uh, emotion control. You shouldn't fear. I don't have much interest in controlling how you feel. And I don't think this letter was seeking to control what the Christians feel either. The writer doesn't much care that we feel warm and fuzzy when we love one another. You know, the point is just do it. Just love one another. And the writer doesn't much care if we feel apprehensive or afraid. Feel what you feel. Just don't let those feelings rule your life. Don't let those feelings of fear govern or guide your life. You know, there are times when my dog doesn't run a miniature track before bed. There are times, you know, when it, when it happens, you know what the conditions are? When my large, warm body is right beside her. <laughs> no circles then. She just plops down, head on my lap, heart at ease. And I'm convinced that that is the primary message of the phrase, God is love. Relax, there's nothing you have to do, nothing you have to prepare for. God loves you before you ever loved God. So find ways to receive that love. Find ways to express that love. I was listening this week to a preaching professor from Yale Divinity School talk about the class that she teaches at Yale. It's called The Spirituality of Preaching. And in this class, she says that she teaches her students at Yale, we are not just heads. We are not just heads. You are preaching with your life, so take good care of your souls. You are preaching with your life. Take good care of your souls. This professor has done extensive research on the life of Reverend Dr. Polly Murray, who was a poet, activist, attorney, and in the 1970s, in 1977, was ordained an Episcopal priest. In this research, she holds up before her students the Christian virtue of scrappiness. I've never heard scrappiness as a virtue, but I sure like it. I think it's important for us. We all need it. We all need a little scrappiness to face the harsh realities around us and to not shrink back. So here are some synonyms for scrappy. Fierce, cantankerous, argumentative, fire-eating. Here's the antonym of scrappy. Calm, calm. In the dictionary, the two words are opposites. But spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, they hold one another. They support one another. They work together to fight just causes. I have to have peace. I have to know calmness. And so the preaching professor from Yale said that while she holds up scra the scrappiness of Reverend Dr. Polly Murray, she also holds up the practices of quiet rest and introspection of friendships Friends that anchor and support and comfort us and play. Play 
all from a study of Dr. Murray's life, this preaching class actually has built into the curriculum modules of play. They have hula hoops in class and bubbles. I want to go back to seminary. We didn't have those when I was there. (laughs) The truth of the matter is, there is something very much alive about love. There is an infilling and there is a self-giving. It is a dynamic process. The consuming passion for the well-being of others that has its wellspring in God is how F.F. Bruce defined it. A consuming passion for the well-being of others that has its wellspring in God. Love isn't love if it's stagnant, if it's still. Love isn't love if it's primarily concerned with control or with self-preservation. Love is a water wheel. It's not a circle of self-preservation. And it's not self-generated. We receive love and we reflect it. Wherever we are, we receive love and we reflect it. You know, those of us with evangelical backgrounds may have heard before that agape is for church, it's not for homes. (laughs) And I think that is baloney. I'd use a stronger word if we weren't within these four walls. Agape is for every place we find ourselves, as children, as parents, as spouses, as employees. This infilling of love, this self-giving of love, this love in action. We receive it, we reflect it continuously, and dare I even say eternally. I think it's true. On the night in which our Lord and Savior gave himself up for us, love in action, he gathered his disciples together for a meal. He took bread, gave thanks to you, O Lord. He broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood. It's a new covenant. It's poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink this in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, We offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of the faith. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in his final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all glory and honor is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.
Would you pray with me the prayer our Lord and Savior taught his disciples? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You need to know that at the United Methodist table, all are welcome to take communion. No one is turned away. And we will take communion this morning using these communion packets. Ryan and Matt both have some if you did not pick one up on your way in. There are two labels to peel off. The wafer is under the first label. This is the body of Christ given for you. Amen. And this is the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. Stir in me a love that's deep, a love that's wide, a love that's sweet. And help me, Lord, to never keep it to myself. And if my heart should dimly burn, and if my feet should fail to run, call my name and I will come right back to there's no
just as simple as this song I want to stay close to you it's really that simple I want to stay close to you my whole life A few announcements before we move toward benediction and closing today and let you know about a couple of things that are going on. First, hopefully you've received an email about these things. And if not, you could sign up for the email list because you know you want more emails in your life. But you can do that at the website. And another thing you can do at a website is go take this survey at ahumc.org forward slash survey. We are taking um, as much data as we can collect from our worshipers in all of our spaces um, about how we might structure worship in the fall. Um, so we're looking at possibly changing some things or possibly changing some times, but we need some input. So please go take this survey and let us know about what times work for you and your family and, and what you might like to see change, if anything, or stay the same. That's fine, too. Second thing I want to let you know about, May 23rd, if you've been participating in our Making Sense of the Bible class in any way, we're going to have a dinner out, oh, actually, it's going to be in here now. So the dinner's going to be in here um, with street tacos provided by Chef Colin and Mission Bell. $5 ticket, you don't want to miss that, $5 for street tacos, come on, that's, that's a no-brainer. Um, and it's a Q&A dialogue with the entire pastoral staff about this Making Sense of the Bible book and course that we've been going through together. So I invite you to register for that at ahumc.org forward slash dinner. And then lastly, today, Coffee with the Pastors. If you are new to the church, um, 
have recently joined, are considering joining, want to find out more, want to come talk to the pastors. We will all be in here. The whole pastoral staff will be here today at 4 with coffee and snacks, again, provided by Chef Colin. And you can just show up for that, but if, uh, if you want to do that on Zoom as well, well, we will be broadcasting that on Zoom. If you want to interact with us digitally, you can do that. Um, and you can go register for that at the website if you're doing the digital part. If you're just walking in, just come on in, 4 o'clock. I think that's it. Would you stand to receive a blessing? Blessed are you when you are afraid. Blessed are you when you feel unloved. For God is love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace. Amen.
love you. to make the peace we long to know. 